We are live. Everything is looking good. Awesome. Welcome, Mr. Peter McQueen. It is awesome to have you here. My name is Holden Stefan Roy, and this is Bridge the Gap, the show where we like to talk to super interesting people, kind of walk through their lives a little bit, and uh, get to know them a little bit better. Now, it started off a lot more with the creative professional sphere and a selfish interest to understand how to do what I do a little bit better, but then uh, along the way, um the local election situation started and it was like say word what we do is very translatable to other like occupations for, for the most part a couple parts maybe not uh, there but a lot of it was driven from like i thought to myself the last time montreal came through with an election i did not know who to vote for and there was not a lot of good coverage of people on the flyers around me so you end up voting for a mayoral candidate and then I realized I'm in my 30s and I don't know anything about local politics. I now know there's a lot of love for parks and local politics. But prior to that, I didn't know that, like, even what the issues were. I know that most people complain about stuff that, like, is probably not, the you know, NDG's problem. It might be a Quebec issue. There's a lot of confusion. And at the end of the day, at least here, um, you know, it's not going to be simple to figure out who Peter McQueen is. Apparently, you're a little legendary. Like, you're knowing of. But almost nobody, like... Your voice is legendary. I've heard stories like, is he really sound like? And I'm like, sound like what? I wasn't even paying attention. But like, people I've don't. Heard my radio voice, Holden. It's something. It's pretty good, man. I like it a lot. But like, yeah, so it's like, who is the man behind Peter McQueen? You know, like the, the legend. And that's kind of like, I guess what I can do. I'm not really good at normal political interview. I don't even know what they are. They're probably not my cup of tea. So it's really just like the story of who you are and then it'll just kind of lead into stuff like what you do and why people should care enough to like reelect you. I believe you're you're currently a city councilor. Um, I might be wrong about that. City but councilor the- for Eastern NDG and I've been for 12 years, so seeking my fourth term. Uh, the first eight years, of course, were in opposition. Uh, behind, you know, there was the Chanway administration, the first term, Chanway Applebaum, and then the second administration was Coderre and Copeman. So I was uh, all by my lonely here in Cotonou NDG as an opposition guy. And then, of course, this one first mandate of Valerie Plante uh, was, uh, you know, with the ruling party. Uh, trying to get things done but unfortunately there was uh, we had some difficulties our local administration of course with the sue montgomery thing so uh, and of course with covid so i think that um, you know uh, it wasn't exactly a full mandate it's more like a half a mandate it's definitely a fair statement uh that makes you extra interesting too because like we did talk to christian arsenal who's like in office this term but you like got a decade plus in office, so you have more context than anybody else. Like the, no offense to the candidates who have not served, but they kind of have a limit to what they know in terms of general conversation. Um, and then, okay, I can say a couple things. First of all, I do want to do a shout out to Christian Arsenal and thank him for his service in NDG. Obviously, we were all shocked a week and a half ago when he yeah. suddenly announced a mental illness problem and that he would have to leave his functions as counselor and withdraw from the election. We wish him the best. And I personally, I mean, I'm not saying I agree with every last thing the guy said, but I agreed with a lot more than most other uh, people will discuss later. And uh, I was sad to see him go. I thought he was definitely a voice for NDG. He was definitely a smart, strong, hardworking guy, bilingual. So it was, uh, it's definitely discouraging to see a guy put that much effort in. suddenly not be there anymore as a hope for the future of NDG. That's a big statement. 
I like that. I like the way that you went there with that. Um, I was a little. We need that next generation coming up. I mean, I'm 58. Christian was, you know, 32-ish. Yeah, he's my. It's age. a pretty big gap, and we need some younger people stepping up and learning the ropes. It's not going to happen overnight. Uh, I've learned my job over several mandates. It's only normal, and uh, you know, we do need some younger people stepping up. So I hope other young people will not be discouraged uh, with what happened. Um, that's a really big. That's a good statement. I also want young people to care. I, I mean. I didn't even realize how not that hard it is to run if you apply yourself until this uh, season. So, I mean, that's a really interesting point that you brought with that. But still, I do want to kind of cover, like, you're a 58. That's, like, definitely, you might be the oldest person I've talked to on all of my shows. Like, no no disrespect. That makes me excited because you come from, like, a different time. I I do want to say that in this council in Cotonage NDG, I was in the younger half. Oh boy. Sue Montgomery, Marvin Rocha, and Magda Fofiano are all older than me, so I was in the younger three. Say word. <laughs> That's like a yo. Know, we saw the Suburban the other day, and like we picked it up as like almost a joke and read the Suburban, and it was like, oh, say word. This is not a newspaper that gives any kind of a consideration to what me and my demographics think and it might be the only english paper that gets circulated in this neighborhood i'm aware of and that's a wild thought for me so i hear exactly what you're saying and uh it's it's a it's an interesting point i will talk to sue next week so i'm really excited for that too just because like i don't know i'm not trying to suggest she's way older or anything I'm, nah, not nah, nah, nah. I'm just saying those are the numbers facts is facts like it's I mean, I'm not going to discuss that, but facts is facts. This is what it is. But I was hoping, like, because people like the story elements and stuff of, like, you kind of like your life in chapters almost. I was All right. um, hoping you could, like, well, run yeah. us back to, like, where you were born. Like, where do you come from? Born in Kutenish, born NDG raised, my friends. My father came over in 1942 from Scotland. They live in Snowden first for a long time. Then... Uh, he got, an, got himself an education, managed to get a job as a lecturer at University de Montréal. And uh, they lived, you know, renting in Coutenez near the university there. So that's my first seven years of life were there. In 1970, they moved to the Deej. They bought a house for $30,000 in 1970 on uh, Oxford and NDG Avenue in the Vulcan Village. And so I grew up there. But of course, NDG was different in the 70s. It was not uh, gentrified or tell us, a, or tell, us like about, tell us a little it bit about NDG in the 70s. I know everybody Even wants Longman to hear. was rough. I mean, you know, the Benny Farm. You had these different uh, gangs, street gangs. There was Benny had a gang, the Benny Gang. There was the Bolo Sherbert Gang. There was the Walkley Gang. So some of the most feared gentlemen were from the Benny Gang. And they would be on Monkland. I wasn't, they were just down on Sherbrooke or something. They'd be coming along Monkland. So I went to the local schools. I went to St. Luke back before it had switched buildings with Marymount. So St. Luke was beside Villa Maria Same on that order. building, you know, right on Cote St. Luke Road. It had no gym and no playing field. A thousand teenagers in the school. You can imagine. There was no gym. Were there. No gym. There, I mean, there was some kind of like ancient gym with low ceiling, but no modern, you know, 20 foot high ceiling gym, which they built later after I went there. So, and no playing field, no soccer field, no football field. So you can imagine, they did have the good music program, but I unfortunately was not a musician. So you can imagine the police were in that schoolyard, a lot of lunch hours, a lot of after school. So things were a bit rougher uh, back in NDG uh, back then. But I managed to survive it. And then I went off, I did go live on the plateau for a lot of years. 
uh, you know, my 20s, late 20s, early 30s, and then moved back to NDG in 2000 uh, when I founded, when I had my first child. So me and my spouse, my parents were still living here. And we moved into the St. Raymond's district down here uh, below the tracks, as it's called. And, uh, you know, we just started getting more and more involved with the community. Me as more of a traffic uh, concerned about the MUHC traffic plan, which was a crazy plan they came up with, which fortunately, right. the worst of it, they never that's implemented that's it. My spouse as a cultural creator down here in St. So Raymond. So that's it. Great I, I want to pause for a second because we just ran through like several decades really, 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 really fast, which is fair enough. Uh, but what did you do after high school? Like, what did you go to universities and all that things? Yeah, I went to Concordia, the liberal arts college. Uh, it was a great program, a good general program. I learned a lot. I learned how to read. I learned how to think critically. That's important. I did try a master's degree, but it was not for me. I uh, decided I got involved. I got a job. I worked at the same company for eight years. It was a market research company. I was the tabulation manager. So. I seem to have a record of when I do something and it works out, I stick with it for a certain amount of time. I think eight years at the same job uh, is not bad. Um, and then I had my own business for eight years. I was a kind of a renovator. I was renovating some apartments. Uh, you know, in the 90s in Montreal, you could, uh, you know, I bought the triplexes I lived in, renovated them. So I was in my own, you know, working for myself for about 10 years. So I definitely have that experience of, uh, of owning a small business. And then after I had the kids and I was here in NDG, that's when I started getting interested in politics because the guys in power, Trombley, Applebaum, as far as I was concerned, were not, you know, reacting to the needs of the people of NDG. So uh, to me, it was important. I just thought these guys are just not, I mean, at first I was started quite naively, like bringing proposals to them thinking they would implement them or at least move start moving in that direction and they did not at so, all so, so that's what i had to run against them so you're it's like you just decide one day that you're upset about stuff and you're going to go to the mayor and whatnot like you actually just did that i just did it i built up an email list thousands of names of ndg residents by asking them one by one to join that list and give me their email and this is like I, you're not even running or anything you're just I'm upset not even in a party at this point i i printed up posters against the muhc travel plan and single-handedly paid for and printed up posters and got them put on 100 people's balconies against their stupid traffic plan so yeah that's what was the that. traffic plan but it was to close up the machine, you know, which fortunately they never did because of our pressure, our good work. They never closed up the machine, which would have been a disaster because it would have been closed. All the buses, all the 90 and 104 oh buses, gosh. the people down here in St. Raymond, that uh, people up Cavendish and Walkley, people in Ville St. Pierre and West Haven depend on the 90 and 104 buses. They go right through the metro, the underpass there, the uh, upper machine underpass just as they arrive at the metro full buses and they were just going to so they were going to close that off for the hospital like yo block close off the hood cuz you can't come up say a word that's right just so that people from you know only they you know they're planning with sort of an exit people off the highway driving to I mean I understand people drive to a hospital I'm not against that but why they didn't just build it to Saint Jacques right away and leave that key de Maisonneuve upper Lachine stretch which is so important for the buses and the cyclists you know Yo, I mean? i'm with you i mean i lived left it alone yeah like at that time in life i was taking the 90 to cadets <laughs> yeah there you go so like uh yeah no it's it's actually really important um upper lachine is 
kind of like, I mean, I didn't even know that. I mean, I was too young back then to pay attention. I did. I was aware that the hospital was a fiasco and that there was a lot of stuff. The traffic plan was the fiasco and the hookup to the metro station, which they finally finished. But they should have finished it, you know, right from the beginning, uh, five, ten years earlier. Um, so ba but what's really important is that you got upset about something and then you galvanized the community in 2000 when it was hard to get emails because how about a lot of people didn't even have emails back then or people had emails but they didn't have facebook so there was no facebook organizing you had mm. to do it by email chain, so and then so you linked that up and you pressured the government and won that is correct we managed to keep up our machine open and late better late than never we got the uh, elevators in the second entrance to vondo metro and it's open now and i took my bike on it and it, it is good thank god they've finally done it so you were you had a hand in that too of course with big community groups all kinds of people we were pushing the ndg community council academics i mean it was kind of obvious so they built a hospital you know right beside a metro station they better hook up and they better have stairless anyways they finally did it that makes a lot of sense when you say it like that. It's not the kind of thing my brain naturally goes to, but I appreciate where you're coming from with it. But you have kids. I do not have kids. I've noticed that. Baby carriages for many years. And, you know, I listened. I knew seniors. I, I know the seniors of NDG, and I understood their concerns. Uh, you know, people who have mobility challenged and in wheelchairs. So it's important. So I guess does that like, so at what point does that go from you're like a community leader dude to like you're a good politician dude? Okay, then I ran, I realized that I had to beat these guys, Trombley, Applebaum, I had to take the bottle to them. So one thing I did, I ran for the Green Party of Quebec. I realized you got to get your name out there. And I came up with a great slogan, Green McQueen, and I put it on a lot of posters and uh, put those posters up. And people remembered that, Green McQueen, and in yeah. French it was Père de Futura. And, uh, you know, I ran twice for that, the Green Party. I got the highest score of any member of the Green Party of Quebec ever, anywhere in Quebec, That's that record still stands. And then finally, you know, with Projet Montréal, I ran for the, uh, the district city councilor of the Eastern NDG, and I won in 2009, the first time. So you basically went with the provincial route to kind of get your, so that, is that like a move in politics if you want to actually get elected in city? It like, I don't know. Help. You want to get your name recognition up. You got to kind of got to get your message out, and people do it all the time. I mean, look at Melanie Jolie. She ran for the mayor of Montreal, and then I don't know if it was from the start. Perhaps it was just to get into federal politics. I, you know, I don't know. So there's another example. She has a memorable name, also. So similar thing, and maybe Ballarama Holness. I don't want to completely rip him apart. I don't know absolutely everything about the guy. And please, people, go check out his platform, but. He's certainly getting his name recognition up by running yeah. for mayor of Montreal. And what really are his long-term serious plans, if, if any, who knows? That's a big question. That's a big statement. I met him the other day in a park. So he definitely has that. I'm an A-game politician who knows he's hot thing going on for him. Hot he is. Um, so like what's it okay so since you did like both the provincial and the municipal level of like just i guess the overall process of campaigning is there a huge difference between these two experiences i would say i mean it was only with the municipal that i learned to do the door to door and really kind of speak to people and not just preach to them but get out there listen to them talk to them one-on-one -on -one in a you know in a major volume way so that and of course, the riding, a district is smaller than a provincial riding and much smaller than a federal riding. So uh, 
you know, the smaller it is, the more the individual candidate can make a difference with their door-to-door. Uh, so door-to-door is effective is what I'm understanding. Like, It can be, absolutely. And knowing people, you know, I, again, you know people through your kids' schools, knowing through associations, through volunteer organizations, through charity organizations in the district. So, yeah, knowing people is good. I mean, that's what politics is about. Knowing people, listening to people, and trying to represent them. So it's really like if you want to go into politics, you really got to run this like a long-term game. Like you got to plan like almost half a decade of networking. Sure. I mean, looking back to Christian Arsenault, you know, he ran in 2013 and lost, ran hard and lost to Jeremy Searle and not by many votes. It was a five-way race and Jeremy Searle managed to win with 22% of the vote to Christian's like 20% or something. I mean, it's horrible so he just worked hard and came back a second time that's why it's too bad he's gone because he worked hard i'd say for about a decade to get to this point and suddenly poof so it is unfortunate yeah so basically you do the door-to-door thing and then you run in 2009 with this mission in your heart and soul to protect ndg against trombley and apple bomb right Um, i had a slogan defend ndg I mean, one of the things, and I'm going to bring it a bit to this election too. One of the things that's important, we're in this big borough. That's, uh, you know, that's unfortunate. I'm not necessarily happy that we're in the biggest borough in the whole city of Montreal with Cote Neige and NDG together. I think they could both do better if they were separate. But to change that is a very, very complicated task. But given what why, it is, why are they together? Like I never understood that my whole I, life. A civil servant made a decision 20 years ago is my best answer. Although I'm going to add a little more. If anybody liked it together and played a part in it being it together, I would say it was Marvin Rocha and Michael Applebaum. For one thing, Marvin represents Snowden and lives in NDG. Snowden is kind of in the middle. If anywhere claims to be in the middle, it would be Snowden. So he represents Snowden and he lives in Western NDG. So he kind of, you know, is the one most saying, oh, Cotonez NDG is all one community. And then Michael Avalon lived in Snowden and then ran up and became the first mayor of Cotonez NDG. And their machine was very Cotonez based. So, um, you know, I certainly saw them as the villains then. And I, you know, defend NDG was, yeah, come on, you gotta, you gotta speak for NDG. I thought the people they had in NDG were not serious. And that was part of it. And now I'm going to say something about this election. I think this continues. Lionel Perez is an intelligent, ambitious man. He's bilingual. He's hardworking. I, you know, I probably he could beat me in any sort of lawyerly argument since he's a lawyer and I'm not. But <laughs> he's he's deep. I mean, like it or not, he his his base and his 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 experience and his life experience is from you know Cote d'Azur and specifically Darlington district near the border with Uchimal. So that's pretty far from NDG. I mean, how many people from NDG go to Darlington on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis? I would I would, I would suggest not very many. That, I mean, but, not that, again, I have nothing. I go there often. I like Cotonage, so it's not that I'm against it, but let's face it. No, but like, I live on Fielding, right, all the way by Coronation Park. Why am I going to Cotonage? It's not exactly. even the same... Like, I mean, it's going to go for Cotonez for all the schools and the universities, but I mean, please go to Cotonez if you want. It's, it's, a yeah, nice it's, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, I, I go, it go I, to I, it, but it's an okay place, it's a good place. But here's the point so Lionel Perez now has this ambition to be mayor of Cotonez and DG, and that's fine because, as I said, he, he is an intelligent, ambitious, hardworking guy, and he has experience at this point. So I have nothing, no problems with that. But what I find odd 
is that he cannot find a single lieutenant from NDG to be on his team. He seemed, we all know Joe Ortona, EMSB chairman, lives in St. Leonard, you know, based in St. Leonard and keeping his EMSB job, which is double dipping, let's face it. And, you know, being parachuted in as a star candidate into the Loyola district. And then it would appear that my opponent also, uh, Ashley Thornton, also, as far as I can see, does not live in NDG, has very little connection to NDG. She might have briefly worked at the Monkland Tavern or something, but I mean, briefly working at one restaurant in NDG does not constitute a, a deep connection. Not in the so least. I'm not saying either of them is terrible. All I'm saying is neither of his candidates of NDG have a deep NDG connection. When he, you know, he obviously has been working on his ambition to become mayor of Kotenej NDG for several years, presumably. This is something he wants to do. He was not able over several years to develop a connection with somebody deeply connected to, to the NDG community. I find that a bit weak, a bit, well, uh, I'm not sure NDG should plunge into this again, because like I say, the Applebaum, Marvin Rochow machine also, in my opinion, do not have deep roots in NDG. So I'm going to throw no, that out. Fair. I mean, I never thought about a lot of that. I guess you don't have to live in where you're running. I, I suppose. You don't have to live exactly. I'm willing to give some benefit of the doubt, like I say. But the point is, neither of his candidates. No, you know, I, if you have one parachute no, I mean, if I were and to, one was an NDG character, I'm, but neither of them. So no, I hear the what you're is, saying. Because it's like, at the end of the day, it's seducing the community. And it's kind of wild that the man can't really get the community on board. And I mean like you can see like it's it's interesting to watch where the different people do their events of course like i like or where they're at or this Fra sunny moz guy and i do not go to my opponent's events so pray do tell i haven't us. gone to any of them i know that uh they go they do it in parks i never hang out in <laughs> that was my first thought i was like i'm never where you guys are at and it feels like they care more about like Coast St. Luke's opinion than not was my general feelings. And I know that's a weird like sentiment, but it was like, that's just what I got the impression of. And it's no disrespect to that either. I don't know. I, I talked to that. No, I have like no knowing of him. I didn't know who he was. Apparently everybody knows this guy and I'm the one who's out of the loop on this, but I never heard of this dude before I started talking to politics people here. But to be fair, I'm pretty out of the loop. I know who Sue Montgomery was coming into this, and maybe I've met Christian once upon a time back in the day. But, like, I don't know. Lionel seemed less... His he, uh, The way I understood it is he gave the most corporate answer to when Moro Pena initially spammed a bunch of people trying to get me interviews. And I'm like, fair enough. I'll meet him one day if I ever end up at one of his events. I did end up at the Valorama event though, and that was really like stand in the park, collect signatures -y and whatnot, while he played basketball with the rap folk, which... What, what park was it in? Oscar Peterson. Like I had gone down over there to... Um, Sorry, Loyola uh, uh, Coffee Park, I think we call it, the new basketball park? No, 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 no. He was, he was in Oscar Peterson Park in Burgundy. Oh, down in St. Henry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was okay, down over okay. there because uh, one of the, the Nate Husser, uh, probably one of the better English rappers in the city in terms of like out, like pushing, had set up this charity event, basketball tournament. So Balarama was up there playing basketball because part of his campaign is to get an NBA team here. And I'm like, yo, this is, he's doing it good. He's doing well, it good. I have nothing against rappers and certainly nothing against basketball. In fact, we brought in at more basketball courts in Cotenege NDG. You know, we, we, on our first night, one thing we did, yeah, we did, we did coffee. He's got a new basketball court. Yeah, I saw and, that. Uh, uh, one of the parks in Cote sorry, uh, Mackenzie King. 
and or was redone. Maybe it wasn't new, but it was redone because, you know, a lot of people can enjoy a basketball court without taking up too much space of the park. So that's why I, I have a reason to do it. I really like the coffee park one. It always felt like it was a big empty field that wasn't really doing it. It was not being used. Basketball was the right move. You know, my son was uh, at the West Haven Center playing basketball, and the West Haven Center, unfortunately, doesn't have the high enough ceiling. So, you know, you try to take the, the jump shot, and it hits the ceiling beam. So, yeah, kids in West Haven definitely needed the Coffee Park basketball court. That's dope, still. Um, so, basically, in 2009, you run and you get in. Is it hard to do the election thing? Like, you got to get the signatures and run through all the party stuff and all yeah, of that? Of course, I went through, you know, that. And, you know, I think there was a growing awareness as I ran, as we came down the final weeks, that I had a good shot at winning. I had a team, and they were my volunteers. They weren't like volunteers from the party. They were all local people, my friends and neighbors from NDG. We had a little office on uh, Sherbrooke Street. Um, you know, it was right near Draper. It was kind of in the building. Now that it's been, you know, it was just an empty storefront, a small empty storefront. Um, and uh, you know, we did it. We worked hard, and on election night, we were darn happy to win. And like I said, I was the only one. So the Applebaum team won all the other seats in NDG and the mayorship, and there I was on my own. And Applebaum put me in an office all by himself. He wouldn't. We wouldn't. I wouldn't even caucus with them with the civil servants. I would just be like by myself in this office and the borough manager would come and give me details separately by myself but can they do so that it's unheard of because i've uh, you know i i certainly sense in this last mandate we all caucused together i mean uh, mr uh, perez you know marvin rocha sue montgomery all of us even after the sue montgomery break with project morale we still all caucus together so that's the standard procedure so that's wild i had to dig up the information myself so you win an election you're the only guy and there's five five of the city councilor seats right and then there's the That's mayor correct, position yeah. and they literally put you in a corner not hyperbolically like i had no window i was in an office without view of the outside it's like a closet that must have been quite the experience i'm like actually just like wow that's fucking wild I mean, I was happy to have been elected for the first time in my life, and I'd never experienced the caucus, you know, the caucus, borough caucus. So I guess I didn't know what I was missing, or you know what I mean? But I didn't get to hear them asking all their questions to the civil servants. So I guess I had to go dig it all up myself. So I guess you run, you run through that. And then what's it, what, what is it like then being in your first term? Like, how, what do you discover about the... Well, I kept, you know, when you're the outsider, when you're the opposition, you get to be the critic. And some, in some respects, it's easier. I would say it's definitely easier psychologically. You know, you get to be putting people down and nothing gets blamed on you because I wasn't, you know, you're not responsible. I mean, clearly, especially when you're the lone opposition like I was. So... You know, we, we dig up, try to dig up issues. Uh, you know, it's pushing a lot for the, still the MUHC traffic plan or the bicycle bridge there were things I spent a lot of time working on. It's hard to achieve things. They wouldn't give in, they wouldn't give anything. So, whereas in my second mandate with Copeman, in some respects, that might've been the most productive mandate because Copeman had a mixed bag. He wasn't with Codair from the start. He and Marvin Rocha had run with some other guy, Cote. Lionel was with uh, was with Coderre. Jeremy Searle was a crazy independent, and then me and Magda were with Project. So there was this complete mixed bag. So Copeman, to his credit, um, always operated more democratically, more openly, more transparently. 
he was clear about how things would work from the start and would listen to, to people. And for instance, with Koopman, we were able to get the bicycle path along the Mezzanub in front of Vondo Metro, the Vondo Danger Zone, as it was called. It's not as good as the bike bridge I really want and still want and still fighting for, but it's much better than what was there before to get cyclists through that key area. And of course, the movement on the metro station elevators also got formally going, you know, absolutely officially going under at the beginning of the Coleman years. All right. So how many like parties are there in Montreal back then? So Projet, Mon- I don't even know when Projet Montreal Projet starts. was always the rising, you know, opposition. We ran, I was with Mr. Bergeron a couple of times. And, and then the first time, you know, we were about 10 in city council with Mr. Bergeron. The second time we were more, we were 20-ish, I forget exact number. But Mr. Bergeron was proving to not be so popular, and Melanie Jolie actually beat him in the popular vote, and that's one of the reasons he resigned. So then he was gone. And then here's a key thing I'm going to say to you and to the people of NDG, too. Remember when Prussia Morial had a leadership race between two people, Valerie Plante and Guillaume Lavoie? It was a serious race. In the final, Several thousand people voted, and Valerie Pot won by a slim margin, something like 1,200 to 1,100 votes. And they had debates all over the city, including in NDG. I remember that night in NDG, when 100 people came down, 100 plus people came down to the St. Raymond Center. They got to listen to Valerie Pot, they got to listen to Guillaume Lavoie, ask questions, hear them debate, and then join. You know, many of them were members of the party, but if they weren't, they could join and then go and vote for which of the two they thought made more sense, had better answers, etc. What a splendid display of democracy. And I'm going to say one thing about, uh, you know, the Sue Montgomery party. I, I think Sue's intentions are good. And I think, you know, some people are working with her and that they're democratic right. And it's good that they're involved in democracy. Happy for that. But on the other hand, it, it is just the Sue Montgomery party. There was no leadership race. I don't remember a debate where Sue and other people who might think likewise to her had a debate between themselves to see who would be the leader of the Courage Party. Seems a bit just Sue Montgomery is the one in charge and the others have to follow. And that's not what happened with Valerie Plante and Proje Morial, where people had a vote and they came and gave had a debate right here in NDJ. That's an interesting point. I didn't know there were debates. To be fair, in 2017, I wouldn't have given a crap about a debate in NDG. I'll be real with you. But, like, um, is that the thing? Is there a lot of, like, NDG politics debates? Like, is that a thing that actually goes down? I would say there was other things. When Christian Arsenault, both times he ran, he tried in both 2013 and 2017. He It started with him seeking the nomination in the Lyle District. And he had competition both times, serious competition, where several hundred people, again, went into the Benny gym and got to vote for either Christian Arsenal or the person he was, who was seeking the nomination against him. Several hundred people voted, and both times Christian won by slim margins. I think the second time it was by one vote or something. So again, you know, people had input. People, it was democratic. So... Uh, Again, I think, you know, President Morrell is a democratic tradition and, uh, you know, we're still welcoming more people and we have more people joining. I mean, we're really stepping up our uh, commitment and uh, dialogue with uh, all cultural communities in Montreal. So, for instance, our mayor candidate in Côte d'Anage NDG, 
I'm so proud of her. It's Gracia Katawa. She's a Congolese immigrant. She moved to Quebec at a very young age. Uh, her French and her English are excellent. She worked at the Jewish General Hospital as a nurse for 10 years. So she's got the experience of caring for people, caring for the residents. Most important, she then got herself elected as the sort of president of the Nurses Association, first just at the Jewish, but then are all over Quebec. So she knows how to deal with both English people and local people and the bureaucracies in Quebec City and Centre City, Montreal. And this is a key skill that I think Sue, unfortunately, was a bit lacking on, especially, you know, you might not adore the bureaucracy and the functionaires and the civil servants, but they're there. And we, you, one has to be able to negotiate with them, to gently push them, to, to build a consensus with them too, so that we can actually get things done. So Gracia Katawa is a great candidate for the mayor of Cortenez NDG. And I've seen her now in action, talking to people. She's positive, energetic, confident in herself while still uh, very listening and uh, used to you know, building consensus to try to move forward. That is one big cosign for her. I like that you're like that. I like that you're like, nah, we the team. It's not just me. I got my spot, gotcha. but the team matters too. Um, and there she is. Sorry, I don't know. I'm not used to hey, there you go. There you go. That's super cool. Your image, so there, yeah. Definitely helps with the how to spell her Perfect. name part because I wasn't Perfect. 100% sure. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so like. All I know is that you brought up the Applebaum people. They became like the villains. I know Applebaum goes to jail. Um, my step. And that's a good point. It's like all those years I opposed him. So that whole first mandate being against them, I mean, I might have suspect, you know, I might have disliked the guy and I thought he was a dictator, but I never knew for sure he was crooked or anything. And then he gets arrested at the end of the mandate. And I, was, I still remember that day. I mean, incredible stories. Um, and then in the end, he proved he did get convicted. So, yeah. Um, so that was a wild like situation um, to think it that, was. that. I mean, it's like you hear about like corruption, and then you're like, wait, that's my neighborhood. That's not even that's right. On on files I knew about the new sports center. Uh, you know, files I had to vote too. Uh, it was incredible. You know, he was doing some kind of shakedown operation with uh, people. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. And it wasn't just him. I mean, it was Sully Zagel too, also pled guilty finally. Because Sully Zagel was Lionel Perez's predecessor as the counselor from uh, Darlington. So two people in that administration and a couple of civil servants. I mean, one guy, you know, obviously uh, one convicted and uh, one unfortunate instance where one fellow, I don't know how he got involved, but he unfortunately committed suicide. So that is tragic. Uh, but uh, something uh, was very unfortunate things going on there. So Yeah, so basically that probably helped your case a bit at the next election. Of course. But uh, it seems like only then, by the third election, that my numbers went way up. So it's hard to say what corrupts. Corruption is, I think, discouraging for everybody. It probably doesn't encourage turnout. So I never wish that period on Coutinage, uh, NDG ever again. So. No, I'm, I'm with that. Um, I mean, ideally, we can have a system that isn't, like, got that going on inside of it because it's just simpler and more efficient yeah. for everybody. Of um, I mean, it's the first step. It's a prerequisite. I mean, President Morial, completely clean record. And, you know, doesn't mean that everything we've done is perfect, but at least absolutely no uh, corruption, uh, not a whiff of it. So. That's fair. Um, 
So I guess uh, after like that, you go into the last term and you go through that, and that's kind of more like what's been more recent. So like, how do you feel like the term has gone for you and like? It was going okay until the midway mark, and then of course 2020, annus horribilis. Uh, first of all, the break with Sue, uh, that situation, very difficult situation, which again, I'll tell you one thing about being a counselor. One has to suddenly become a complete expert on all kinds of topics from plumbing to finances to, you know, obviously urban planning, transportation, all of these things, contract giving. And then suddenly I had to become an expert on harassment, which I never claimed to be and never was. And suddenly all these questions, choices, decisions about a, you know, a complicated and not necessarily, you know, it wasn't like the worst harassment ever, but some decisions were made and I was sort of dragged along. So I really just have very little to say about that because I'm still not an expert on harassment. But that started the year very difficultly. And then the next thing is COVID hit. So that was unbelievable. And I had COVID in the first wave. My daughter came back from Asia. So that very first wave, unfortunately, she flew in through the Middle East and I mean, she probably got it on the airplane. We did try to separate for two weeks, but if she had just gotten it and then my wife, unfortunately, was teaching from the basement with her computer and she probably got it from my daughter and gave it to me. So I then had a case. It wasn't a horrible case. I never had to go to the hospital. I was never short of breath, but let's say it lasted long. It dragged on for like a couple of months. Uh, with you know the first month especially being pretty tough because there was a lot of anxiety around it as well so that was basically April May uh, 2020 and then the next thing the Terrebonne issue which was Wait, again what is the Terrebonne issue well you know you have to remember go back to that first wave of COVID out of the blue this thing we have to distance we have to stay apart even outside at first people were still tense very tense even outside even while walking down commercial streets or non-commercial streets they were very tense so we literally did get emails from people saying the sidewalk on Terrebonne is narrow and when I walk along it and somebody walks the other way I'm scared I'm nervous I mean don't forget Code St. Luke and I think Westmount said People should walk one way on one side of the street and the other way on the other side of the street. So it's not, it's not like it was just happening in NDG that this kind of panic was going on because, you know, I understand people didn't understand the disease. There was a lot of rumors. So with this kind of pressure, all of the council, all six of us voted to do something on Terrebonne. The services presented a number of options. We finally decided to try to do this thing where we took the parking away and we had a space for bikes and pedestrians. Because like I say, you know, it was important for pedestrians too. It was overdone. It was both badly communicated to the community and it was overdone. And, it, you know, the COVID crisis, of course, calmed down. By the time we did it, there's, there's always delays. The city never does anything quickly. So by the time they actually do it, July, you know, July. We thought it was going to be done in May. No, it's only July. It actually happens. COVID had calmed down enough. People were less worried about the germ anymore. And of course, they're still worried and rightly so about their on-street parking. I mean, at least all of their on-street parking being removed. So there was a huge uproar. I was immediately ready to back down. I pushed, I told Sue Montgomery that let's just back down right here and now. But no, her and Christian Arson to some extent wanted to continue pushing they moved it further west in front of the saint monica's church and school which i knew from the start was a very bad idea the uproar never ended finally it came to a vote at the beginning of september and we all voted to take it down except sue montgomery so sue montgomery hardcore to the end uh, had no sympathy for people who who park on the streets of ndg 
And I guess I do. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I myself, everybody knows I'm a big cyclist and I love cycling and other members of my family all cycle too and take buses and everything. But when we go somewhere together on the weekends or camping trips or, you know, sports activities in the evening, we do have a car and we have to park that car on the street. We don't have a driveway. So we do park it on the street. You have to move it side to side when the street cleaning happens and when the storms happen in winter. So I mean, for the moment, it's still in, in NDG, in Eastern NDG, we have to, uh, you know, we have to, um, what's the word, sorry, we have to uh, accommodate people who do park on the street. Maybe at some future date where all we all better and better uh, public honestly, transit happens. I'm, I'm, Things could change, but I'm for like the moment. I'm like a pretty big cyclist. So somebody had mentioned the Terrebonne bike pass, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Why, why, do, why are they there? So I went on them the other day, and it was, I don't, I don't want to like be a shit deserver, but after, I, there was not a lot of space between you and a car passing been, you at night. And I it was like. The current situation is in any way good either, not at all. I've uh, always favored a proposal to make the street one way for cars, as it is a Geoward. It already is a Geoward, so we got a little lead there. And I was pushing that before, like two years ago. I have emails to prove it. In the spring of COVID, I was pushing it, but the services were just not ready to act fast. And I'm still pushing it. And the good news is over last winter with a committee of residents, some more pro-cycling, some more pro-parking, some from institutions on the street, we went over and over it from every single angle with the services too. And what came out, I mean, you know, the report is not 100% one way. It's not just tell the bike path now, but it did it did become clear that the people are willing for the street to be one way that they'd rather keep their parking and then less transit and that's only normal for the, the people who live on the street less transit but keep their parking the same thing that happened on saint denis street by the merchants the people have pretty much agreed to it they want they still want to study they still want a traffic study to be sure but they're willing to go with it and at least for the first time nobody can say that the residents were not consulted that's fair. I just remember my girlfriend was like, she's like on a big seat. She's not as comfortable. I don't want to go on Sherbrooke. I feel like it's not safe. And I'm like, say a word. Sherbrooke would have been way safer. And that's a, that's a wild thought, especially at 10 p.m. when Sherbrooke doesn't have a lot of cars. Sherbrooke's pretty safe. Yeah. I mean, we have the Maisonneuve. We have NDG and, of course, the Nonfront. So we have both sides of Sherbrooke. But Terrebonne, and we have Fielding up in northern NDG. Terrebonne is the right street for a bike path. There's no debate. I would agree with that 100%. It's just how and what exactly. And if we make the street one way for cars, we free up enough space to get a bike path on there and while keeping the parking. And like I say, it's a start. Not saying that at some point in the future we can't go further. Let's get, keep encouraging cyclists and keep having more of them. And that's the way forward. I'm definitely a pro cyclist person, but I, honestly, a lot of it was traffic that led me to that decision. I don't know if you've ever taken the 51 in the winter. Uh, Stuck in traffic, yeah. Your like 15 minute bus ride can go up to 90 minutes. I swear it would get to a point where I'd get off the bus and walk like halfway because oh, it would get. I'm gonna make another comment about Marvin Prochon. You know, I was in power as the city district council when Silver Street got its bus lane, and it had to be. I mean, some people complain, and it's not necessarily good for the shopper experience. I'm Sherbrooke and especially in the evening but the problem is those buses are full of people and they move people much more efficiently than the car traffic and so it had to be and it's only a couple hours in each direction so I voted for it well Marvin Rochon that you know Queen Mary is in his district and he could use that bus the 51 bus is full of NDGers like you 
pulled in, blacked up. You just said it. Delayed on their way to Snowden Metro. It's a very, it's a bus route. It's a lot of. It is about the only time I ever cared about local politics was when I started asking what we could do to get the traffic yeah, well, dealt with. Marvin Rotra opposed the bus lane on, on Queen Mary over and over. I saw just a letter he wrote just two, three years ago. We we're trying to push it through. He's trying to rally the merchants against it for a two hours, especially the morning one, two hours in the morning on one side of the street. You still got the parking on the other side. Like you've heard me speak about parking. Honestly, say though, like it's, it, it, Queen Mary has other parking. It's, it's, not, three it's, rows of parking. it's not even so bad at the top part. Believe it or not, it's in the really residential part that it screws yep. everything up. I, because, I mean, I'm very familiar uh, with the 51. That's where they need to get a bus lane on Queen Mary, and we support that as, as it approaches the metro station. Uh, it's critical. I just know I, I spent a lot of time figuring out exactly where the traffic spots were, and uh, I know I found out that the merchant people have a, a, a group, a union of some kind that it's doesn't not, like you know, this. Especially the morning one. I mean, they've got part. We're not saying against all parking. Nobody's saying take away all parking. Not at all. We're saying three, six thirty to nine thirty a.m. One row of three of parking. I think it's time. I'm with that, I, but. And I started cycling to work, and it got a lot better. And now I might not have to go back, so <laughs> it's a different universe today. Um, but that's interesting that you just get, can get involved in all of this stuff just because it's. I mean, that's kind of what you well, do, I, right? I like I mean, once I was a counselor, then of course I do see all the dossiers from everywhere, quick donation, everything else, and follow them. And that's okay. I mean, I am interested in some of them more than others, but it's a lot of dossiers when it's the biggest borough in the whole city. So what are like some of the more pressing issues you would say and like the current things that people should care about? Like what are the hot topics? Okay, I'd say tree canopy cover is critical. You know, you look at the heat wave we're having. I've been out uh, every day trying to, you know, riding my bike around going to things and it's critical that we need to keep planting more trees. Uh, I mean, the borough is, has been working. It's better than it was in the apple bomb years. First, they. The horrible thing, of course, is we lost the elm trees to, sorry, not the elm trees, the ash trees to the uh, emerald ash borer. So a whole bunch of trees throughout the city were suddenly had to be cut down. And that started about eight years ago. And then they were slow to uh, dig up the trunks and to replant the new ones. And finally, about four years ago, in our administration, we gave bigger contracts to private sector companies. We have to catch up. So now we are more caught up, but we still have more to do. We need more trees, both in the streets of NDG, especially on the streets, the commercial streets, Sherbrooke, Monkland, but residential streets too, and in the parks. Unfortunately, you know, NDG Park, then there was that mini hurricane oh, out in 2016. It ripped out a whole bunch of trees, especially right down at the Jeerward Sherbrooke corner. Which yeah, tree, it's true, because eh? so it used to be like, it used to be like you couldn't see into the park and now it's just That's very right. open. So we have planted a lot and they're going, but of course the little trees at first. So, but there's another important thing. The old trees of NDG are gonna have to be cut down slowly but surely over the coming decades. Not, we only cut them down when they're sick and weak, but they can, once they're sick and weak and they can fall on people, they gotta go. And so the more new trees we plant today, that can be medium trees in 20, in 10, 20 years, is gonna make it look less bad when the 100, 120, 150 year old tree has to be cut down. So you gotta step up and constantly be planting those Can more you trees. Put, like fruit trees, or is there like we do a wide variety of trees? We're not gonna make the same mistake they did with the uh, both the elm. Remember the Dutch elm disease in the 70s, and then the ash trees. 
they planted too many of the same species, especially in a row. They would go down a street and do all the same species. Now we always alternate a good five to 10 species on every single block of every street and every park. That's really cool. And, and, and all the tree planting has to be like regulated by you guys. Cause I know that tree bombing is illegal and I know people who tree bomb. So, so that's where, that's where a bunch of university kids take basically tree seeds and start whipping tree seeds around the neighborhood in an effort to like plant trees illegally i'm not sure about that yeah they kind of have to replenish because they replace the problem is you got the wires overhead and the gas lines and plumbing lines underneath so our services as they go down the streets and they you know plant them they try to find one in each lawn in front of every house but they have to pick the spot so it doesn't interfere with wires and is that a rule gas. that you have to have a tree in front of your house in energy you know, not an absolute rule but they're that's what we're aiming for and people basically are not supposed to refuse they can argue maybe about the species they can argue maybe a couple of feet each way uh you know but they're the idea is you're supposed to have a tree in front of your house yeah that's really interesting um so like what are the other issues because i never thought about the tree thing i'm glad that you brought it up because everyone else just talks about parks that's all i've really heard about is like parks is the yeah, main parks. issue well, parks is trees too because one of the most important things we have in parks is the trees but obviously parks yeah we want to keep the parks clean safe full of activities so there's lots of people and lots of different people at different hours of the day so every you know that helps keep it keeps it safe uh you know the park down here in saint raymond george saint pierre we in the last years you know there was the soccer and we, we we did put the artificial soccer field so they could be used more hours per week and soccer ndg wanted that but of course we have lots of trees ringing it or we're going to put an artificial field in cote and again in mackenzie king and one thing i noted that park has a big forest in it and it has trees all around the soccer pitch so that's important to keep the heat island down for the artificial field also helps with noise eh yeah, it helps with the noise too. Absolutely, a basketball court's got to be kind of in the middle of a park so it doesn't disturb immediate neighbors. Now we're working on a skate park. So I definitely favor a better, new, cool skate park in NDG. I think the Benny location is the best we're going to do by bigger, maybe roughly double it in size, but in a couple of directions. So it won't be as no noticeable as people think to double the, the area of it. And you know, brand new something the kids are really like both beginner stuff and intermediate stuff for both uh, the young kids and the uh, more advanced kids. My son's a big skateboarder, so I'm I'm looking, I'm watching what he's doing. I'm visiting other skate parks in the city and Verdun and up on the plateau and Rosmo and the Olympic Stadium now, seeing what they got. I'm listening to the Skateboards for Hope group and the uh, fella here in NDG um, who who's spearheading a group pushing for it and wanting consultations, and that's all. You know, I'm strongly in favor of a, a new skate park in NDG. Uh, that's fair. I definitely can understand it. I have seen through Thrive NDG's Facebook group that the current state of disarray in the uh, skate park is not the best. And it is definitely a hot spot of activity for varying totally. times of day in different groups of people. And uh, honestly, that's a cool initiative. I like things that are going to increase the cultural value of NDG on some like that makes my life easier thing. So I want like ND, uh, like in my utopian vision, whoever can bring NDP, uh, sorry, NDG into a cultural 
center that brings tourism into the neighborhood would make me the happiest because then I don't have to leave NDG to perform and stuff. <laughs> the people to thank there are NDG Arts Week and Notre Dame des Arts. They've done a great job over the years. I mean, COVID has been so tough on them, but here they are rebounding this year. They've done some great concerts. They did, uh, you know, excellent stuff, stuff for children. I was at a, a indigenous dance, Ram Dance in NDG Park just this week. It was great. And the closing party is Saturday night, 7 to 10 p.m. at NDG Geoward Park. Come on out, folks. It's going to be a great show. They got several top bands lined up. They're really daring. I find they go for some pretty avant-garde, interesting culture. It's great. They, of course, had the giant puppet parade through the streets of NDG. I guess it was, uh, uh, was it Saturday? Yeah, Saturday, last Saturday I was there. I was participating. It was a lot of fun. People seemed to love it. The kids loved it. And, uh, you know, that's great stuff. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, they definitely do a lot of stuff. It's cool that you know this stuff, right? Like I've talked about kind of just the musical end of it and people aren't ready to go answers on that side of it. I guess you have been here for a very long time, so there's probably not a lot that happens. I've always had the interest in culture. Uh, you know, there were previous people who ran the organization that tried to do the festival on Monkland and took it over from the kind of the other guy before and they did some great stuff too it's a tough job though i mean it's a tough thankless job you didn't worry about the weather then there was the year they were about to go all out in ndg park and then that hurricane that what we just talked about that the tornado whatever it was hit the day before they were to start and they had to move it to trend home park i mean talk about bad luck I mean, I like Trenholm Park, but I understand the significant difference between Trenholm Park's viability of interest and uh, Girard. Um, but I, the Monkland Festival stuff was pretty cool. I have to say, for all the gentrification stuff I don't like, I was okay with that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Sherbrooke and Porchfest, the people running Porchfest, my hat's off to them. What a great initiative for NDG, and a lot of that was on Sherbrooke and below Sherbrooke and uh, Alley Cat Gallery. Uh, the Alley Cat the, Gallery uh, is the most bizarre thing that exists in like all great. of NDG. I'm not saying it, like it's it's a good bizarre. It's like you look by it and then you realize what it is, and you're like, okay, this is a real thing. And it's and it updates. It doesn't stay the same. Like it evolves yeah, over concert, time. It's musical, and of course, uh, you know there was a lot of graffiti there. It's anti-graffiti too. Put up the the pictures, the paintings of cats. It blessed up graffiti. So that's part of the battle against graffiti is doing nice murals and uh, street art. And we're doing some new murals down here in Saint Raymond right now on the uh, NDG Italian Bakery Wall. Come on down to Upper Lachine, folks, and you'll see a new mural going up. And of course, the original mural on the other. Uh, corner uh, it's been there for several years so it's uh, a big effort by the mosaic muralist uh, Boris Biberzik and Melanie down here in uh, in San Raymond that's really cool um, I'm really into the overall mural art I did a music video once right all I really did for the concept was cycle around NDG and film a, a mural sh stuff I ended up with like 55 clips so granted Great. a couple of the mural arts are big enough for a few clips but like all of it like and if you really look around especially the western ndg part like and you really like hide through all of the the alleyways and stuff you just find it's just hidden and that's what's cool about it is that there's the obvious ones but there's just all this hidden art that you just would never think to see unless you actually went looking for it indeed that's really cool um what are some of the other stuff that matters with regards to like NDG issues 
Okay, I'm going to talk about a, a very serious issue that I do not have the answer to, but I think a conversation is growing, and it's electric cars and NDJ. People want to move towards electric cars, and a lot of people don't have driveways. And the problem is, how do you charge your car at home across the sidewalk? So I don't have any easy answers, you know. The borough does not want to put in you does not want to allow people to put in more and more driveways everywhere because if you get more and more driveways on these streets, you know you act fine. The person parks on his driveway, but then there's an empty space in front of his driveway, which is still paved and is still becoming a heat island. You see what I mean? It's not good for trees either. So, it's not more parking spaces is not good for the look and the heat island aspect of, of the city streets and our, and our neighborhood is known for its beautiful trees and so forth so that's not good but on the other hand we are pro electric car so we're looking for ways to allow people to charge their cars more quickly at more places more close to their home so Project Montreal has worked on it we put more and more uh, we just announced a couple of weeks ago that we're going to put even more charging stations that's the way we're going but I do have some sympathies with people saying they would love to be able to charge at home. And, you know, obviously all those people out in the suburbs are getting the chance to charge at home. So it's a tricky situation to be continued. I don't have the answer, but I am listening and, and reflecting. Yeah, that's another issue I never would have thought of one time. Um, I'm hearing it at doors. What about like the budget issue that everyone else is concerned of? Is there like anything yeah, that can I, even I, be done about that? Of course, that? I want more money for Cotonej NDG. You know, it's absurd. These all these people and so many people are going on about it with their own interpretation. I'll get, on that front. I'm going to give a long historical interpretation. One thing is, it was really bad 30, 40 years ago. So things even before I ever got elected or anything, I think there was movement in the right direction. If you look at things. It did not exist in NDG or Cotonej 30 years ago. I mean, the Benny Sports Complex, the Benny Library, not did not exist. The in Cotonej, the big sports center did not exist. 67, 67 Cotonej for the community groups did not exist at all. So, I think that one of the things that is the history of Cotonej NDG is that they were local charities and religious organizations, both and non-Catholic ones, Protestant ones in NDG and Jewish ones in Cote d'Anage, like the Jewish Public Library and the Fraser Hickson in NDG. Perfect examples. They kind of operated not with city money or government money, just as charities, religious or private charities. And they provided services to the community. And over the last 30, 40 years, our society has become more secular. It's only normal, normal. These, society, these organizations Kind of went downhill their budgets went downhill they had less capacity and the city took over these functions so i'm just saying the history of why cotenez ndg had maybe less city facilities than other neighborhoods one explanation is this so i'm not saying that justifies anything or in everything we have to move that the city provides these things but the city has made some progress i mean like i say the benny library the benny sports center that did not exist 10 plus years ago so we're moving in the right direction now that is continued i will give Better that I think the, both the Code Air administration and President Moran has continued that movement. There's been this continued, they did this big study of all the boroughs, and we realized that Kutenej NDG was lacking. So, again, and some other boroughs were lacking too. So, budget started to move up slowly, and I'm not saying people have to be massively satisfied. I still want more. So, that's okay, but I would say it slowly moving in the right direction. So, theoretically, and I would say, well, here's another thing I'm going to say. All these people, if one 
there's other boroughs that I would say also have an argument for being somewhat underfinanced. I'd say all the big boroughs. So the other ones are Hunsick, Rosemont Petit Petri, uh, Park X, Villa, Villeray, and Hushalaga uh, Mizanev, those and us, we're the five big boroughs. And we save money by having less politicians and less directors per capita than a borough like Uchima with one mayor and four councillors and all the borough directors. So the point is, maybe we should get some of the benefit of that. that should, I mean, I'm not saying we should spend more on politicians and directors necessarily, but then if we save money by having less of them, let's have that money to spend more on, you know, garbage cleaners, tree planters, and, uh, you know, whatever else we want, uh, lifeguards at, at pools. So I'm saying it's an ongoing process. Uh, you know, let's, let's figure what installation we want. Do we want a new swimming pool? What is the thing we want next? Let's fight to get it, both the investment in it and then the budget, the, you know, the operating budget will, will be added. If we think, if we find the need, let's push for it and let's get it. Let's get the new skate park. Let's get it. That's, so, so I would say focus more on what we want and need and the budget will follow. That's cool. Cause it kind of like answers what, like, I guess my question has been to like in general. So if there's this big budget issue, what do we do as citizens? Right? Cause I feel like as much as we can rely on politicians, there's there's probably more a citizen can do to move a needle than maybe almost like we could arm you with the again, ammunition that you would need perfect and again citizens pushing for a new facility proving that there's a need by a massive campaign of petitions and going to borough council and city council is going to move things more than a bunch of people whining about it being unfair for the following reason and did you say Sue Montgomery, even say Sue Montgomery and her team won the entire borough. She's unanimous, it's them. Fine, they have a, the complete vote here. They have a unanimous vote here. But what does that do with City Hall necessarily? I mean, it's not the attribution of the city budget to the city is voted on by the entire city council. So to constantly be saying we're unfair and we need more compared to you, the other boroughs, is only pissing off the other boroughs we're never going to vote for that. Whereas if you voice things in a more positive way, if you can sort of team up with some other boroughs who might have a similar need, maybe a bunch, a number of the big boroughs don't have enough swimming pools. A big push for swimming pools, which involves four or five boroughs together, we could all get those swimming pools and the budget will follow. There's my example. Yeah, that is a super interesting point. And then ultimately, if the citizens know what they want, which we might not know what we want, to be honest, Fair point. Uh, but if we could figure out what we want and then give you be guys... Be able to prove it. You know, it has to, obviously, it can't be ridiculous. It has to be a real need and a real... Yeah. And then we get we get the petitions and we go and run the gambit. And you I, have to have the space to put it. That's another aspect. Any facility you're going to put, well, where are you going to put it? And there has to be a place, and that's another problem. All the inner-city boroughs have tend to have a lack of space built up. I'm not saying there's no spaces in MDG, but uh, you know, we have to pick them carefully. Yeah, I could see how there's not a lot. It's, it, there's a lot of places that's just houses for days, and then you have to deal with all the residential zoning issues, as I understand it. Because I was going, like, where's the venues in NDG, right? Like, I'm a, I'm a rapper. I'm like, where can I? Because, I mean, rapping in a park's cool, but we are cognizant of the fact that we got to censor ourselves. Um, probably got to, like, keep it a little more calm, because otherwise we'll piss off the parent world, which we really don't want to do. So it's like we start going, okay, where the venue's at? And I now know there's a wheelhouse. Fair enough. 
but I didn't know it existed for how small it actually physically is as a place. Not to give any disrespect to it, I plan on hitting these people up because like they exist, but like where else is there? And then I realized there's there's really not a lot for growing ups that don't have kids. And I'm like, where's the growing up who don't have kids in NDG slash college students who are trying to solicit place to go? <clears throat> Listen, I gotta have to go soon, Holden, but I'm no gonna plug two things. I think I what I said about the budget, maybe I'd like people to think about it, but now I'm gonna give two clear examples of things that we did do this mandate, and that's one, buy the YMCA park. So that was a private green space only for YMCA members, and now it's a city park. So that is a gift to the people of NDG. But we've only just started now it's consulting about what NDGers want in that park. What exactly? More playground equipment for the kids? Maybe, uh, you know, a water pad and more spray, water spray. I think every park in, in, in NDG, every park in the city should have water spray in these days of increasing heat. Um, you know, whatever, uh, basketball, an outdoor basketball court or not, whatever people want. More trees, of course. So that's a consultation ongoing. And then the second thing we just got, we got a huge subsidy for the indoor swimming pool at the Cary and Cozanatuan. So now you're talking about another problem Quinton is NDG has is aging buildings. We have infrastructure from the 20s and 30s, 100-year-old infrastructure. It's slowly wearing out. And there's a perfect example. We People love that swimming pool. We need that swimming pool. And now we've gone and got subsidies from the, the center city and other levels of government, $7 million to bring that pool up to snuff so it won't keep breaking down and it'll be good for the next 100 years. So on that note, I'm going to have to let you go, Holden. All right, so it was a pleasure. I appreciate you coming through, Peter. It was great to have your time. Thank you to everybody watching this and just everybody in the future with all that. Make sure to go check out Peter McQueen and stay involved with all of this stuff. And you have yourself a great day. Live long you and prosper, it. everyone. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Have a good one. No worries, man. Take care.